Welcome to episode five of Thoughts on the Tinkerage. Before I get started, just thank you very much to everyone that's given me feedback. Uh, let me know what they thought. It's mostly been very, very positive, and I really appreciate people taking the time to to listen. First of all, and also to to give me some their thoughts on how it's going. Uh, just a reminder, it's now on most of the major podcast providers, uh, particularly Google Podcasts and iTunes, or Apple Podcasts as it's called now. I still want to keep calling it iTunes. So if you do use one of those services, uh, really appreciate it, particularly with Apple Podcasts. That is the big one. Uh, if you take the time to go and just leave a little review, hopefully a five-star set of five stars. You call it five-star review if you don't give it a review as well as the five stars. But yeah, we'd really appreciate that. I can't, I can't imagine getting into the the new and greatest podcast list. I know you've got a couple of months in order to kind of do that, but who knows? Listening today, I had a, a mention on the Sparkfile podcast, uh, which has been a fantastic podcast to listen to. Just, just full of little sparks, little snippets of inspiration. I love hearing how other people's stories got about, and, and even from worlds totally far away from mine. I have no idea about musical theatre. Uh, I can't even remember the last time I went to musical theatre. It must have been when I was a child. Uh, but listening to people talking about how they create within that is really quite kind of fascinating, and part of the inspiration. Uh, it doesn't go to one person or one or one place, really. There's lots of people that have been responsible, for want of a better word, in getting to me to this point here of creating a podcast. My list of podcasts, topics has continued to grow. Um, I have a, mention, as I mentioned before, a notebook, and it's just full of pages. I flick through, and I've got, it's only a, for those listening and not watching, uh, it's an A5 notebook, or a bit bigger than A5 actually. It's a little bit square, I think. And I have, um, let's have a look, six pages of topic ideas with about just under 20 on a page. So well over the 100 now. So it should keep me going for a while. The problem with that is that I've, I kind of don't know sometimes which, one to, which topic to do next. Sometimes the first two, uh, or the, the last two, My Maker Journey was number two on the list. The first one was about the tinkerage, so that was topic one. The second one was My Maker Journey. And that fed into episode number three, uh, which was kind of about other people's journeys. But just getting started, last episode, that actually is kind of on the fourth page. Uh, but I felt that it was really relevant to at the start. And there, there's so many topics. I, I see so many things. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. And so there were, there were many ideas for which one I should do next. But I've actually decided to go for number three on the, my original list. And I know this is a topic that I'm going to come back to because this is a topic that I know plagues 
many of the, my maker friends. I know it's a topic that's plagued me for probably close to 40 years, slightly under 40 years, I suppose. Sometimes it kind of disappears for a while, and then sometimes it comes back. And this is not a joke, although it might seem like a joke. I, I'm not really sure whether I'm kind of worthy to speak about this topic. Sometimes when people ask about this topic or they ask for kind of thoughts about it, and I've, I've written probably over the last few years several pages of responses to people about this topic, uh, mostly trying to help them with their own struggles with it. And I've often joked that, yeah, I could write a book about it, but I'm not sure that I really am the right person for it. And in some ways I'm not, because I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trained in any element of uh, mental health studies, psychology, psychiatry, or anything like that. And that's something to bear in mind when listening to my podcast, in that these are my thoughts. They're not, I have no medical training other than kind of first aid training, and even that's out of date. So these are just kind of my thoughts, my rambles, my ramblings on topics that either I've experienced myself or are important to me or that I see in other people and that are important to them. So if you haven't worked it out, I'm going to talk about imposter syndrome. Now, this might not be something that you know the meaning of. So it's it's a very simple idea. It's the idea that somebody that perhaps is worthy of a position or have a particular talent for something, believe that they don't, that they're not worthy, and that it's only a matter of time before other people find out that they're not actually good at something. Now, this is, in my experience, something that creative people often exhibit and often people of perhaps above average intelligence. The first time that I became aware of the title imposter syndrome was actually reading through management books. Now in my teaching career when I was teaching uh, I managed to progress to not the Gideon Heights of senior management but certainly into uh, middle management in schools. So I progressed from teacher through kind of coordination roles which are normally responsible for a particular uh, section or age group, a particular subject, or have a particular responsibility for one little aspect of running a school. For example, maybe uh, examination entries for a particular subject, not for the whole school. Uh, I've also been a head of department, being responsible for physics, science, junior science, as we used to call it. Uh, I've been a head of faculty in charge of science department in charge of biology, chemistry and physics. 
So I've had I've had a number of roles in management. And in order to try and improve myself as a manager, uh, I would read management books, not necessarily teaching management books, but management books from the world of business. And it was there that I first came across this idea of imposter syndrome and recognised that actually it was something that I exhibited, that I experienced. For example, you maybe apply for a role within an organisation. Let's talk about school because that's my experience. So you apply for a role within that organisation and you, you get on that role. And of course, you don't necessarily know all about how to do that role, but you muddle by. And you get things done, maybe, you know, on tight on time or you have to work you know, strong hours trying to work out how to fill out particular forms or you're spending a lot of time filling out forms. And you get the job done, you, you know, entries done for students and their exams will arrive, and etc. And although you may be doing a good job and people above you, your, your line managers are saying, well done, that's, you've done a good job there. You might be in your own head thinking about, oh, that took me much, much longer than I'm sure the previous person would have taken. Ah, oh, I wonder if I've done that wrong. I, have I missed out on something important? Are the, are the exams actually going to arrive? Your line managers say, well done. They say, oh, good job. But inside your, your head, you're, you're saying to yourself, if only they knew. I'm sure they're just being polite. And I think, I don't know if this is something that actually affects other countries more. But the, the British are very polite about things. You know, they'll go to a, a tea party and have some cake. And if the cake is foul, they'll say, oh, it's, it's very nice. And they'll eat a little bit of it and it's foul. So they, they won't eat it anymore and say, oh, I'm on a diet. Or not very hungry. Had a had a really large breakfast today. Uh, yeah, lemons is a little bit early still for. Probably won't have lunch until three o'clock, four o'clock. Men will even skip lunch and have dinner at eight or something. And I think as as Brits, maybe there's. I don't know if this is something that is. Then you kind of think, well, are people just being polite? Are they saying that they like my the latest thing I've made? Just carved this thing, and as the person who's carved it, you can see every mistake. As the as you've watched something being three D printed, and you you know that you've there's a hole in the side of it, and you filled that hole with some filler before painting it. Another person that's bought that from you, or was commissioning it for, or you've presented it as a gift, doesn't spot it. You know very well that that's just that little slight difference in reflection on the side there it is an artifact of that hole of the fact that you haven't done a very good job and i guess in a way imposter syndrome is a form of anxiety again i'm not a clinical psychologist might be a psychologist never mind a clinical one so these are kind of my my thoughts on on it, is it a form of anxiety, a form of self-doubt in one's own own ability 
as makers, particularly creatives, uh, people who are very detailed oriented. We will notice the small things that other people's perhaps other people won't. I guess in some ways it's imposter syndrome that has delayed me in producing a podcast. In some ways, like the podcast for me is a continuation of my teaching days. Every day with a form group, a tutor group, I would share some little anecdote or a quote or some little thing about the theme of the week. And I think maybe in in teaching, that's a kind of a, that's an expected thing, and you have a captive audience. They may not want to be there. But then, having left teaching, although my reasons for leaving teaching were essentially medical, if you haven't heard some, I can't remember if I've mentioned it in my podcasts, but essentially my discs are decaying in my spine. They're degenerating. It's this disc degenerative disc disease is the title. And that makes things difficult physically, um, which can lead to kind of mental doubts. And I'll, I'll talk, maybe talk about that at another, at another juncture. But having discovered podcasts and listened to other people talk, one side of my brain, part of my brain, the whole kind of side thing, left, right, it's, it's not really a, I think anything other than a model, really. Both sides of our brain deal with both parts of our bodies. There are different regions in the brain and do different things, but it's not quite left-right art logical as, as some people believe or have us believe. It's a bit of a brain myth. At least that's my understanding. So I've discovered podcasts and, and, and several times over the last few years thought, I could do that. I could do a podcast. A big portion of the reasons for not starting until recently, after the, for want of a better word, nagging, of a number of people. Now, they weren't nagging directly at me. They, they don't really know me. But hearing people talk about just getting started, doing things, everyone's got a story, let's show you a story, things like that. Hearing people saying repeatedly, you know, there is space for more podcasts. There are other things that you can do. But having that doubt, though, that people might want to listen, it's actually quite strong. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. And that's one of the, the issues with things like imposter syndrome, anxiety, more clinical type anxiety. It's that often the people with them think that maybe they are the only one. And I think partly it's been interesting becoming a part of the maker community and, and hearing so many people talk about imposter syndrome. And I know that it holds a lot of people back. I know it holds me back in many ways. And I'm, you know, I'm going to be 50 this year. And yeah, you know, I can think of so many ways in which it's held me back. And I don't know, even, even when I'm, I'm, I'm saying things like that, there's kind of a little voice in my head that's kind of sort of saying, well, maybe that's because you're just not good enough. And that's that kind of, that nagging voice is, is part of what the imposter syndrome is. There's that little voice saying, actually, no, that, that work that you've done isn't good enough. And certainly when I was teaching, there's, there's times when certain aspects of teaching 
and particularly if you're in management. And I, I, I know that this applies to other jobs too. Sometimes you can't do everything. And it's funny that very rare will somebody in a higher position tell you which things that you could let slip that maybe aren't quite so critical. Yeah, there are certain things, for example, in a school situation that are super critical. Exam entries for one. Yeah, it's, it's relating to external bodies. It's something that has to be done. Yeah, you can't not do it. You can't not do it correctly. There are other things that aren't, aren't so important. You know, some of the forms for that some schools want people to fill in to try and satisfy some thought they have that Ofsted, the British school inspectorate, require. And at the end of the day, they're not critical. They don't actually help with students' learning. For example, one of the things that I did in one of my schools when I was head of department is I bought in teachers' guides that had schemes of work that were perfectly serviceable in them, rather than writing schemes of work. Because we'd had many years with staffing issues that had made life very, very difficult with people teaching much more than they should have been doing. And so it's essential to be get things done and bypass some expectations. But bypassing certain expectations, even though students were still getting the best deal, but maybe people in management weren't getting exactly what they wanted, then triggers in, triggered certainly in my head, that feeling of self-doubt, or I haven't actually given the management what they wanted. Therefore, I'm not good enough as head of department. And maybe somebody will pick up on that. And even when you've got a good line manager, and I've had some cracking line managers. I can think of one in particular. He was he was a leader, a true leader, not not just a manager. He and I've told him this, so I'm, I'm quite happy to say this, uh, that he was the sort of person who, in World War One, would have been going over the top of the trenches with his men, not behind them, shoving them up. He would have been there with them leading from the front and people would have gone knowing that they were going to be mown down they were still happily gone with him and you know managers leaders like that you know sometimes we'll say well look, no, it's okay that you haven't done this you've got the important thing you've got the thing for the child and that that's what counts but still, there can be a doubt, particularly if there are people who are not saying that same thing. Or you see in examples of other people, maybe who are in maybe different situations and who are managing to get those other things done. As makers, we may see people that are creating the most amazing pieces. I can think of a couple of people that I, I follow on Instagram or Facebook. They're in some Facebook groups that I I mean, who create some amazing carvings, little figures. And I kind of, although I carve, I, I tend to carve love spoons, Welsh love spoons. It's one of the things that I do when I can. But I see the people creating things. I use just about every tool that I possibly can in order to get the job done. So I will use a bandsaw and a scroll saw and a power sander 
and a Dremel, and I'll use carving knives, and I'll use different bits for each part. I'm not a purist, I'm not overly traditional. I, I tend to think of myself more as a kind of hybrid maker, I think. I'll use whatever I can to get what it, the job done in the best possible way. But when I see people that are taking just a blank piece of wood and a simple knife and creating amazing carvings, and then they're putting some paint on it and creating amazing figures, that kind of feeds uh, the kind of self-doubt, which then when you're part of a community, you kind of, when you're trying to put things out on maybe something like Instagram, you kind of feel, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Yeah, at some point somebody's going to say, Do you know what, your work just isn't up to snuff. You're, yeah, you can't be part of this community. And I've heard people talk about this in so many different contexts, whether it's people creating furniture and using pocket holes rather than using traditional joints, whether it's people creating art. They're trying to compare photorealistic work to stylistic work or impressionist or abstract writing yeah music it, there's just i've heard this from people who are big players people who are fantastic artists i don't know where this comes from when i was a child often the kind of phrases not necessarily Explicit, maybe more implicit in, in phrases of saying things like, we're not sporty, we're not arty, we're not musical, particularly the sport and the music. And that's certainly something as a parent I've tried to avoid, trying to encourage my children to follow whatever path they want. And, and actually my students too, when I was teaching. And yeah, some people are better than others at certain things. Some people have had more practice. Some people spend all their time practicing one particular thing. Do that, you're going to be very good at that one particular thing. Not necessarily going to be great at other things. But somebody else may spend the same amount of time practicing the first thing, be just as good at that one thing, but is great at other things too. We're all different. We all have different talents. I don't know where kind of this imposter syndrome comes from for me. I don't know where it comes from from other people. I don't know if it's like many things in life. It's not a simple answer. I see so much in the in the mainstream media that kind of almost suggests that things are black and white. Yeah, you know, there's there's left and right, there's true and false, there's good and bad. Nothing's like that. The only true binary thing is the binary base system in mathematics using computers. And when quantum computing takes off, that's gonna to go too, because they can use more than two bits. How, how do I get to the point where I'm thinking about things in this way? I, I don't know. I really don't know. Again, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. I'm, I'm not a therapist. I have no training in this. I'm sure that maybe somebody who is may have an answer to that. Now, if you're suffering from imposter syndrome, and I'm, I've almost put my, I, I don't bet actually, I'm not a gambler. I can't remember the last time I did any form of gambling, even buying a lottery ticket. 
but I'd be more than certain that there'll be at least one person listening to this podcast. And the numbers aren't huge yet. Like 40 to 60 people listening to each episode so far. Uh, so please do share it around with more people if you're one of those people. Thank you very much. Please share it more. But I guarantee that at least one, and probably more than one, people listening to this episode will have experienced or be experiencing imposter syndrome in some aspect of their life, whether it's in their making and other forms of creativity, whether it's in their employment, if that's not within the making community. If you are one of those people, then know that you're not alone. That's the first thing. Know that there are plenty of other people that are in the same position. This is a common thing. Also know that it's a thing that often affects people that are very creative or are of above average intelligence. Now, it's not to say if you don't suffer from it, you're not creative and you're not above average intelligence. Because, again, that's, that's a rubbish correlation. But it is something that's common in those two types of people. Or rather, it's not uncommon. I, d I don't know what the figures are. Again, not a psychiatrist, not a psychologist. Haven't studied those things properly. Yeah, this is just things that I've learned over the years by reading articles. And know that you're not alone. Know that it's something that many people suffer from. Try and find ways of convincing yourself that actually you're not the imposter. Listen to the people that are saying that you're okay at something, that you're good at something. Do you trust those people? Yeah, do you... Are people just saying... You're great because, you know, it's your mum saying, yeah, oh, that's fantastic work. Yeah, maybe you know, your mum's always going to say that. That's it's part of being a parent, isn't it? But then if you're honest with your kids, you're also going to say when things maybe aren't quite so good. Yeah. I'm sure you could do better. And maybe that's an important thing as a parent. You know, make sure you don't just say your kids are brilliant at everything. You know, do tell them when they are brilliant at something. And... Encourage them and help them to get better at things. And do that in a nurturing and empowering way, and not in a putting down way. Listen to the people that you trust, your friends. Listen to also people that maybe you don't know so well. Somebody who doesn't know you so well isn't necessarily going to say things nicely to protect your feelings. Even in the UK, even the Brits, we're not always going to do that. Don't listen to that lone voice either that maybe has some sort of grudge to bear about something or it's just an angry person think about who is saying something you've got 50 people telling you what you've made is great and then one person comes through and goes that's rubbish or maybe you consider what their position is maybe they're just one of these angry people maybe they spend their spare time trolling people on the internet because yeah, there are people like that trust yourself Think about, is the thing that I'm doing good enough for the purpose that I'm aiming for? Try not to overfocus on small details that aren't important. A, a picture that's not quite straight, an opening on a carving that's not quite round. Well, I'm in the Tinkerage at the moment. Obviously, for those that are watching, you'll know that. And in the Tinkerage at the moment, one of the things I've been working on is the spoon that I'm giving away at some point when I finish it uh, to 
celebrate having a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Now at uh, 1,100, uh, happened a couple of days ago, and I'm still working on it, but the bowl of the spoon is now a bit asymmetric. Now, when I first cut that, I was kicking myself, really. I was, I was not happy at all. I'd wanted it to be symmetrical. A lot of the spoons that I do are as symmetrical as I can get it. But the spoon here, because I'd free-drawn the spoon rather than using kind of some computer software to, to create a, a printable pattern, so that a bit asymmetric. Now, I'll, I'll tell you now, those of you that are listening, that stopped me from doing, working on that spoon for a little while. I was not happy with it. Now, I didn't, I'm reluctant to throw it away. I wouldn't, I almost thought, well, maybe I should start again, but the piece of wood that I'd chosen for it, I'd used the kind of biggest portion of it to create the spoon. And so I would have to have found another piece of wood. Not impossible, yeah, not something would have been that big a deal. Uh, I tend to keep a lot of scraps anyway. I could repurpose it into something else. But I gave it some time and I actually quite like the fact that it's asymmetric and I'm sure that it's going to look fine once it's finished and in a far better place. And hopefully this week I'll get a lot more progress made on that. I've got a bit of time this week as it's a, a holiday from school and, and homeschool yourself some slack except that yeah not everyone is the best one of the things i used to say sometimes to students who were kind of going through almost a, a form of self-doubt i suppose maybe their work isn't as good as somebody else's and i said well who's the fastest man in the world and if it currently is but at the time it would generally be usain bolt what about those other guys are they are they rubbish because they're not as fast as usain bolt yeah they're still running 100 meters in nearly nine and a half seconds. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I say, well, yeah, that, that's fine. That's, that's perfectly good. You know, they're doing brilliantly. There can only be one gold medal winner at a particular event. That's okay. But we're not all trying to get that gold medal. We can't all get that gold medal. Only one person can get that gold medal. And just because there is one person getting the gold medal doesn't mean that because you don't get it that what you've done is not good enough. It surely is. It might be, of course, that it's, it's just different. It's judging against the wrong criteria. Now, my self-doubt, my imposter syndrome, yeah, I kind of, I still get it. I don't know if it'll ever disappear. Yeah, sometimes I find it hard to believe somebody says, you know, for example, I've had several people say that I'm well-respected in the maker community. And there's part of me that knows that because people talk to me and people will mention me and things like that. So I know it's true. But there's another part of my brain that says, maybe they're just being kind. It's just because I'm around a lot. I, you know, I, the nature of my life means that I have more time perhaps to spend on social media than other people. And so maybe it's just that I'm around a bit more. Will I ever get over that? I hope so. Carried it for long enough. But there is no easy solution. It's very easy to say, well, you just need to believe in yourself a bit more. You just need to stop listening to the little negative thoughts. And maybe there is some 
you know, treatment for it. I don't know. Maybe there are, certainly in Britain, we don't tend to see therapists in the way perhaps Americans are very open and easy to do. I don't know if we have as many. I know that people, obviously with severe mental health issues, will, and, and people with suffering from things like PTSD, will often speak to therapists. Maybe it's something we need to do more of in the UK. Make it a bit more of a normal thing. Maybe actually me just uh, me talking about these things. Perhaps that's a form of therapy for me. I think so, possibly. So, imposter syndrome. Thinking that you're not good enough for the position that you're in. And at some point, somebody's going to find out. Well, generally, you won't get the position if you're not good enough. If you do manage to get a position and you're not good enough, generally, I've seen this, you're not going to stay in that position for very long. Sometimes, and I, again, slightly different scenario, I've seen it where somebody who's not good enough in one position seems to get promoted. That's uh, just happens sometimes. But they'll always reach a point where they can't actually cope anymore and then generally they won't last. Get over it. Maybe not. But try and believe in yourself. Try and listen to people people that you respect and trust. When somebody you respect and trust says, you know what, what you're doing is good. Let's accept that. Forgive yourself when things aren't going quite so well. Not many people get absolutely everything right all the time. The people that sometimes appear to be getting absolutely everything right all the time, maybe they're just better at covering things up. Maybe they're just better at not being found out. They're just sort of showing more confidence. But forgive yourself when you make a little mistake. See if you can improve it the next time. Nothing's perfect. Uh, if you've worked ever in quality assurance, quality control, you'll know that there's there's never a perfect thing. It's always going to be fitness for purpose. That's essentially what quality is defined as, the fitness for purpose for a job, for a procedure, for piece of material, product, but there's always improvements that can be made. There may be tiny improvements sometimes, there may be big improvements, might be marginal gains. Uh, that idea that it's brought to the front, not really his original idea, but brought to the front by uh, Chris Brailsford, the Sky and British cycling teams. If you can make 1% improvement in 100 things, it's better than making a 10% improvement in one thing. So look for those marginal gains. Forgive yourself for the little things that don't go right. Know that there's other people that maybe think the same sort of thoughts so that it's not something that's unique to you. Try and listen to people that you can trust. And help other people as well. Don't say something is brilliant if it's not. If you think something is not great, always maybe try and counter it with a, well, look, I don't like the colour of that, but I think the style is, is fine. If you say to somebody that something is awesome, make sure you can back that up with a reason why it's awesome. I, I watch a lot of videos, for example, on YouTube. I often comment with just very short, often one word type things, or just nice or very nice or I really like that. I might say something is awesome or fantastic or brilliant. It's a fantastic idea and or that's great a tip. But I'm always prepared if somebody comes back to me and says, well, yeah, well, what did you actually mean by that? To be able to back it up. 
you've had that conversation with somebody. So if I've said on a video or post of yours on Instagram or Facebook, something is brilliant and nice, it means I like it. And there's a reason for me saying that. If you want me to go into more detail, just continue the conversation. What did you like about it? What, how did you feel about that? Be prepared to ask for that guidance. Another thing that you can do as well, uh, I've done this when I was teaching. If you're having doubts about your your work, you kind of think, oh, I'm really not good enough for that. Find somebody to talk to and say, look, I'm, I'm, I've done this, this and that. And I'm, I'm happy with what I've done with that bit. And I think that's fine. But I, I don't think this is maybe as good as it could be. What do you think? And, and um, typically this might be with somebody that's either a peer or uh, somebody that is maybe above you. Not necessarily in your direct line manager, maybe that you want to confide in somebody else that you feel that you can trust. And you say to them, well, is it good enough? I've done this and this for the particular part of it. I've, I've missed out doing this particular bit of analysis. And they might turn around and say, well, actually, yeah, it's not that critical. Or it would just be nice or see if we can work on it. Do you need some help? When you, particularly in jobs, when you take on a role, you are generally not expected to have all of that role, particularly if you're new to a career um, or particular aspect of that career, to have it all sorted out. There will be a learning curve. Every job, however, even if you've kind of, you know, you've got your chief executive and you've had 20 years of chief executive and you've, you've you know, developed a com brought a company on from kind of two people to 2,000 people and you've, you've taken it from you know, 100,000 pounds of turnover in a, a year to 100 million, you take on a new role, there's going to be a learning curve. Actually, if you stay in that role, there's still a learning curve. We're always learning. Things are changing. The world changes. Our viewpoint on the world changes. Our customers change. Our, our viewers change. We change. And all of that is something that we need to appreciate if we're to overcome imposter syndrome and to put it aside. So there's a few things there. I won't summarise again because I've kind of did a summary and then kind of waffled a bit more. Shall I just to summarise it anyway? Know that you're not alone. Find some people to trust. Listen to what they say. Try and believe in yourself. Talk to someone who you trust about the things that you're thinking, you're feeling, and ask for their guidance. If, if you somebody, if you want to chat to me, if you somebody you want to sort of yeah message me, if you've got some thoughts about this, uh, I'd love to hear your kind of thoughts. Uh, whether it's about how to tackle it. If you are suffering from imposter syndrome and you want, and maybe I know a little bit about your uh, what you make, what you do, or maybe I don't, I don't necessarily know, need to know. But if you want something to chat to, then yeah, message me. I'm sure we can sort something out and have a little bit of a conversation, probably via sort of direct messaging or texting or some sort. Try and believe in yourself. Trust that what you're doing is okay. Try writing things down. Write down things that you're good at and you're happy with. Maybe write down things that you think maybe aren't good enough. And then try and think about why and then see if you can do something about it. 
Yeah? Do you need more training? Do you need more practice? Do you need more time? Right. Maybe not the cheeriest of topics, but I think something that's very, very relevant. I don't know what I'll talk about next week. Uh, I'm still thinking about doing some little, very short ones. And I might try and record some of those and pop them out in kind of midweek positions. As usual, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Thoughts from the Tinkerage. You'll find me at Andy Pugh Creative and Andy C. Pugh. And I've also just started a food blogging Instagram account. I'm going to be doing a food blog. That's called A Welshman's Kitchen. So on Instagram, you'll find me there. Tales from the Tinkerage and Thoughts from the Tinkerage on Facebook and Thoughts from the Tinkerage and Tales from the Tinkerage on YouTube. So plenty of places on which you can find me and get hold of me. Uh, also Andy CPU on Twitter. Yeah, if you want to get hold of me, those are the places to do it. If you can leave a review somewhere, that would be fantastic. Uh, if you have any comments, suggestions for things that you'd like me to talk about, then reach out to me through one of those medium and I'll get support. So thanks for listening. Bye for now.